0: Indy Matters, the podcast of the Nevada Independent, where we talk about the issues that matter most to Nevadans. In pursuit of our mission to provide reader-supported, nonpartisan news and information, the Nevada Independent sometimes accepts sponsorships of events and the podcast. Sponsors have no input into topics or content. This episode of Indie Matters is sponsored by the Nevada Mining Association. Michelle Rindells reporting from Carson City. On this week's episode, we'll delve into Read by Grade 3. Now, this is a program that started in 2015, thanks to the leadership of Governor Brian Sandoval. It requires extra resources for kids in kindergarten through third grade with the hopes that by the Grade 3, they'll be able to read at grade level. Uh, the reason for that benchmark is that proponents of the bill say Up until third grade, you're learning to read, and after third grade, you're reading to learn. So students that don't have a solid grasp on reading are really set up for struggles uh, throughout the rest of their uh, school career. So the program offers grants to school districts. They can come up with different ways to help students learn. Maybe that's a summer school program or an after-school reading intervention. Maybe it's a specialist that works at the school and pulls kids out of class and works with them on phonics. So it can be a lot of different things. There's millions of dollars in this grant program. And uh, Governor Shislak has proposed tens of millions more dollars to go into the program to make sure it's hitting every single school. Uh, But the really controversial part about it is that if students do not read by grade level uh, at the end of this year, this year's third graders will have to repeat third grade. So there's approximately uh, 7,000-plus students that are in danger of having to repeat third grade because they're struggling with reading right now. Uh, we've heard from some Democrats, including Governor Steve Sisolak and uh, Education Committee Chair Tyrone Thompson, that they're not happy with this model and they're considering some significant changes especially to the retention component. Um, There's folks on the other side that are really fighting to keep it in place because they think it provides accountability for the money that's already being spent to try to help kids read and they don't want to see kids moving along if they're not equipped to uh, be accomplishing what needs to be done in fourth grade and beyond. Uh, So we're looking forward to this debate happening anytime now. First up on, on the podcast this week. We'll, we'll chat with Jesus Hara. He's the superintendent of the Clark County School District. Um, I talked with him a bit about the Read by Grade 3 program and uh, some other themes that are bound to come up in education this session. Let's listen in. Uh, we're here with Superintendent Jesus Hara from Clark County School District. Thanks so much for being with us. Of so, course. Yeah, you're, you're going to be presenting to uh, the legislators about a, memor- a memorandum of understanding that you have with the Nevada System of Higher Education to try to address some of the problems that we've been kind of exploring through a couple articles recently of the remediation um, sort of being a dead end for a lot of students, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, wasting time and, and resources as they yeah. you know try to remediate two or three or four classes to try to get up to speed. Tell us a little bit about how this is going to change just kind of the day-to-day uh, for a lot of our high schools as you try to get around the, the issue of
1: remediation. Yeah, no, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for for covering, actually, for coming by and visiting. I think it's a couple things. Um, you know, the, the MOU addresses multiple, um, I would say three different aspects of some of the needs that we have so it's and it's aligned to some of the needs that they have to address as well as an institution so uh, the number one that you just talked about is remediation when you look at the number of students who are graduating high school and going into higher ed community and have to take remedial courses that is that is a drain not only in the system but it's also a drain in the families right and then in some cases it just continues to snowball for the for the student really Uh, they're taking credits they're taking classes without uh, moving forward into their degree so it's 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 multifaceted problem for not only the families are and our overall community um so so in in a conversation with the chancellor in my office you know we're just kind of thinking about building a partnership what do we need to do Uh, because it's not about passing the blame it's not about Hey, they're not doing it, you know, because there's a lot of different things, and you know, we can say, well, they're not sending us the kids, and then we can have a conversation about, well, the teachers are coming from you from your institutions that are graduating. So, <laughs> so instead of just really getting into a, a pointing of the fingers, it's like let's just let's just address the issue. Um, so, you know, our best thinking right now is really looking at saying, okay. Um, if we, instead of assessing the students as they're walking into their freshman year, why don't we do something and assess the students their junior year as right as they're selecting their senior year courses? Um, so then we can then start looking at what some of the deficiencies are and then creating a course um, their senior year that is a high school credit bearing course so they needed to graduate. Um, so then we then uh, multi- you know then assess them again before they leave us Um, to see if we were able to remediate the standard. It's at no cost. Um, you know, it just has to be in alignment. The other piece is really working with their professors, right? I mean, you know, we know we have the Nevada State Standards and, and as their college readiness standards, so it's out of the kids that are not, and, the, you know, the students that are, are not meeting the standards, what are we doing for them? But then also the teachers is then how do we work with um, our adjunct professors or the professors in the higher ed institution is here are the skills that I need so when they walk into to their freshman year, they they have met you know the standard. So it, it's really a collaboration between both institutions. So I think it's uh, you know it's exciting.
0: Mm-hmm you mentioned that we would need to assess the students in high school and at the end to see where they're at of course this comes as we're having a discussion about are there too many tests i know the ledge has been discussing discussing that and uh, do we need to streamline these somehow so would that be in addition to the level of testing that we already have
1: well i think there's you know there's a couple things that we need to really address right i mean you know i'm not i'm not saying that you know add more tests. I said let's look at the tests that we currently offer and then are we taking advantage of the of the data we get from the test. That's number one. Um, and then if we don't have an assessment, or maybe it's an assessment that they have in in higher ed. So then why couldn't we shift that down to high schools? So, so there's, there's, there's a couple of different ways to looking at it um, because I'm not a fan of testing just to test because then that becomes a problem, I think. But testing is important for us to be able to analyze and look at the data to make instructional decisions in the classroom.
0: Where do you stand on the question of whether we have too much testing? Because I know we got the teachers' union saying there there is too much, and but I think the the testing administrators that were surveyed in the audit said that they you know it's a, there's a value to it.
1: There is a value to testing. I go back to it, said you know um, you look at are we testing too much? We don't know. When you look at um, the teachers may say, well, what's the testing? What what is the purpose, right? Because you want to make sure that you have information, so then you can differentiate the instruction, so then you can know where you stand, so where your kids are going to be at the end of the year. Um, Those are some of the things that are really important. Um, One of the things that I'll tell you, we just, we're so excited because we just, um, two, actually a couple weeks ago, two board meetings ago, the board just approved uh, an assessment system for us going in a K-8 balanced assessment, which is one test uh, with, with a company. Um, that is really giving us really good information to really drive the instruction in the classroom, right? So we're looking at the the MAP testing because then it predicts growth for students. That's valuable information for the teacher. What we're doing is now we're going and and doing, you know we're we're doing um, this new assessment on a on a three times a year. So then it's aligned to to the SBAC scores. So now the teachers know how the how the kids mastering the material. Mm-hmm multiple times before they get there so you're not surprised Mm -hmm. what we're doing is then we're taking out and eliminating all these other tests right because those are the things that we're looking at it so streamlining having you ones that bring value to drive instruction so it's uh, it's a balance that we need to do um within you know the school system
0: so even aside from whatever the state is doing you guys have been working on the issue of of streamlining. Uh, absolutely.
1: I want my teachers to teach, right? I want teachers to be able to teach to then drive instruction, but you need information because as a teacher, you just can't teach right all along. And then at the end of the day, waiting that, you know, how do you help that child make sure that they're mastering the material? Mm-hmm.
0: We're at a crucial point for another program that passed a couple of years ago with Read by Three. Mm-hmm. I think we're only a couple months away from those decisions where students are retained or they move yeah. on to fourth grade depending on their reading proficiency and and I think we've heard that there's something like 9,000 students who preliminarily based on their test scores are kind of heading towards being retained. As a district are you guys uh Supporting any of these efforts that we're hearing about uh, potentially ending the repeal part of that law.
1: So so here's where we are, you know, my team has been really looking at it, um, working with um, with the leadership in the legislature to address some of the issues. Look, the, the, the reality is this retention doesn't work. Research does not support retention. But then also research does not support social promotion. So where do you where do you find right that balance? Uh, coming from a state that had a retention policy that didn't work uh, is how do we then take on what best research tells you to make sure that we address really the core issue of the student saying, you're not meeting the needs and we're not meeting your needs and we're not you're not meeting the standards so is and so so we have been working with a with a legislature leadership and saying okay so we're going to do the assessment right uh, and then what systems do we put in place and in intervention so maybe if you don't meet the standard on one test right coming in in your third grade year is what what do you have to go through what multiple a multitude of resources interventions that the school has to or the schools and the school system is responsible to make sure that we need we need we meet the needs of your of your deficiencies. Is it summer school? Is it is it um, after school? Is it early extended day? Is it more professional development to to help this teacher? What what? So that's part of the portfolio. So then the student has an opportunity to then be able to find other ways to meet the standards because that's that's what I'm all about and that's what we are certainly want to identify the gap so then we can address it. Um, and we're working working—we're working very closely with um, the members of the legislature. The other piece is then what support do we provide the teacher, right? And I know that there's, there's language that we're having conversations around. I'm really excited is having a learning strategist in every school, right? Every elementary school to have a learning strategist that then can provide that coaching and support for the teacher. So those you know, model lessons and that ongoing coaching um, so then we can look at ways that the teacher can improve the practice. So I'm excited about the direction that that's going. And then and, and for us to be able to drive the discussion with the with legislature, is, it's, it's, it's been really exciting and critical. Because testing and making a decision on a child on one test, to me, that's inappropriate.
0: There's some people that say we need to give it a chance. Um, and let it take effect this this year and then see how it goes but you know you mentioned that you come from a state that had the retention provision Uh, how important is it for the district to to potentially change what we have on the books right now i think
1: i think it's important um it's critical because when you look at because the research for years and decades has been very clear retention does not work giving the kid longer or the same is it's just not been when you look at the data it's not helping you so what do we then provide both you know because you're saying nine to ten thousand for Clark County is around seven thousand kids so it's what if we look at the core if we look at exactly what the issues and how do we then provide the you know, the support for the child. That is, to me, number one. And saying what resources are we going to be able to do to provide that student with it, you know, whether it's after school, whether it's summer school, extended time, we know that is effective. You know, uh, yeah, I did come from a state that had retention, but then I also came from a state that mandated, you know, extended learning opportunity, funded. So let's let's talk about what interventions, because obviously the students, right, need more time need more time so let's fund it appropriately so we can support the kids
0: we've had a read by three in terms of you know the grants for almost four years now i think um has it been enough to get to make a, a real difference in these reading abilities for kids
1: well i think there's been a couple of things that as we as we look at um some of the possibilities with the with the read by three grants and i think i think it's when you say the word grants, what is it that are we competitive grants? Are we those you know that are coming because of the, with the number of students that you have? If if we're looking at making data driven decisions, uh, which is what I'm all about, let's look at some of the deficiencies and um, identify the students and then fully fund it. Don't tell me that it's going to be well. Here's some of the grants and then we have to compete. But let's look and say what do we know you know what are we doing that's working and then how do we then provide the support and i think you know investing in our teachers investing in our administrators having a having a high rigorous curriculum aligned with rigorous assessments that then provide the professional development those are the three key ingredients that drive success so it's you know, when you go back and looking at the grants, I think those are some of the things that we're analyzing now. And I think what we're, when we're moving forward with um, some of the recommendations, those are some of the things that we are recommending to hopefully be implementing.
0: And last question, since we're probably out of time, you're going to be here commenting about a discussion going on about school safety. You Mm -hmm. guys have done um, some of your own work on that in addition to what's been going on at the state level. Um, What are you going to be telling the legislators today?
1: So you want an inside scoop on (laughs) it. (laughs) I do. You do. So no, that's good. Uh, So here's a couple of things. You know, when you really look at um, the safety of our children, it's a top priority, right? That is... You know, I need my kids to feel safe so they can learn. Very simple. Currently today we have 20% of our children that do not feel safe. You know, that's 64,000 kids in, in Clark County that don't feel safe in school. So as a superintendent and a father who sent his kids to public education, that's a problem that I need to address. So then you then have to go back and and, and, and look at all the challenges that we have as a community um, that are coming from outside into our schools so how do we address that so you know following the governor's task force and i appreciate um previous governor and his task force now we're looking and saying okay i created a safety advisory committee and then looking at some of those recommendations coming and and aligning my recommendations to address the, the unique challenges of of clark county because as the fifth largest district in the country i'm also the fourth largest rural district in The state of Nevada. So, I have both urban challenges and then I also have rural challenges that I need to address. So, my recommendations, you know, I'm going to be talking about some of the recommendations that my task force. Um, you know, already move forward on, you know, whether it's identifying the issues and pockets, right? So we're gonna make those public more transparent. We're also looking at building and our building structure. So we're looking at our taking a deep dive on an assessment, what is a facilities assessment to try to limit the amount of entries into my campus to make sure my children are safe. So there's a lot of different things that are recommending that were my recommendations of the committee, you know, having a member, uh, from Clark County in um, Clark County School District uh, onto the, the gang task force in the, in the county. So then we are more prepared having more counselors, social worker, mental health issues. So there's a variety of things that I'm gonna be, you know, just really moving forward because some of the things that I already started taking action, I'm just gonna update because the safety of our kids is, is, is really critical. And then looking at the budget, um, not only, you know, as I go back, I'm the fourth largest, fourth largest rural district in the country. I mean, in in the state, fifth largest in the country. I'm also looking at how the funding comes mm-hmm. up, and and my challenges are a little bit different than some of my colleagues.
0: Is 78 million statewide going to be enough to address the challenges of school safety?
1: Well, it's never enough, right? So I think one of the things is how do we prioritize? And and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a case that my children. Uh, who are facing some of the most unique challenges in, uh, in the district get the money that they deserve. All
0: right. Thank you so much, Superintendent. Thank you. Next up, we'll be talking with John Vellerdita, the head of the Clark County Education Association Teachers Union, about his take on the Read by Grade 3 program and another huge project up for the legislature this session redoing Nevada's 50-year-old education funding model. Now, this has not been uh, fleshed out yet. We don't know how the lawmakers are ultimately going to redo the funding formula, but we know it's going to be a really big debate this session, and there's a lot of folks on on various sides of this issue, so it might be hard to find a solution that's going to make everyone happy. So let's listen in on that interview. We're here today with John Velardita. He's the head of the Clark County Education Association Teachers Union down south, and we're talking about Read by Grade 3. It's a program that was instituted in 2015, and lawmakers since last session have been talking about potentially redoing the portion that requires third graders who can't read at grade level to be retained for an extra year. John, we know that there are several thousand students right now that are in danger of being held back as part of read by grade three because their proficiency in reading is not up to par. Where do you and the teachers union stand on this discussion about potentially redoing the retention portion of this law?
2: Well, so first let me put it in context. This is a fairly significant program with a large financial uh, cost associated with it. For example, the state read-by-three categorical program is around $39 million a year. So that's a pretty significant investment for Nevada to zero in on a very specific student population. So I think what came out of the uh, last session and the session before was what's called unintended consequences. So there's a poison pill in the current law, and that is if you don't meet the criteria established to be proficient at grade three in reading, you'll automatically be held back. What that means for Clark County, for example, if that was enforced today, over 7,000 elementary school kids would be retained. And uh, I think the leadership and for those that are uh, advocating for changes are in the right direction. Suggesting that, you know what, we want kids to learn by three, but the measure that was adopted that automatically retains them is not productive and we want to change. So I think the bill that's coming out has some fairly significant improvements. And uh, thus far, uh, we're in support of that direction. Of course, uh, when the details around this kind of legislation get worked out, whether or not there's additional amendments Et cetera, you know, in the end, we'll, we'll be making judgment on it. But we think it's a step in the right direction. There's no doubt about it. John, when this bill first
0: passed in 2015, it had widespread bipartisan support. A lot of Democrats were on board and it was originally a Republican initiative. But now we're seeing some of the Democrats have second thoughts about it. What do you think is behind this shift in sentiment over this bill?
2: Well, I think a couple of things. One, everybody was on the bandwagon of, hey, let's stop social promotion. In other words, let's just pass kids for the sake of passing. No different than fudging graduation rates uh, so that your your numbers look acceptable. And I think uh, the measure that was adopted, the intent behind it in fifteen, essentially said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. If a child cannot uh, read by three, then they're going to be held back. You know, I think what's changed is the what I call the unintended consequence. I don't think people realized that this is a significant investment, and it's not a light switch in terms of results overnight. Uh, so uh, I just cited, uh, you know, the 7,000 students that would be retained in Clark. And I think that people have realized that, Uh, Just holding them back and having them repeat may cause more damage than the act of just retention. I think that also uh, the bill and the program, I should say, has um, been under more scrutiny in terms of uh, if the intent is to try to make sure every child reads by three and they're proficient at that, what more can we do to ensure those results rather than just simply uh, retaining them if they fall short. So I think I, I think the discussion shifted, and so uh, for example, we have 223 elementary schools in Clark County, and the bill requires having a liter- literary specialist in each and every school, uh, so that that Read by Three program has the resources with a particular staff person who's professionally trained, has professional development supports uh, classroom teachers uh, to to ensure that kids are reading by three we we don't have the funding to staff all of those literary specialists in Clark County School so that's like another one of these outcomes that I don't think people anticipated in 15 and or 17.
0: Governor sisac has proposed putting more than 20 million more dollars into the read by grade three program. Do you think that's going to allay some of the concerns that you have? And we'll address what you're seeing on the ground with the program.
2: So, I mean, I think with all the programs that uh, are part of the education budget, um, there's a challenge. There's a limited amount of money. And the question is, where's the priorities and how do you allocate resources to those priorities? In this case, step in the right direction. Is it enough to cover all that's needed for a program like this? No. Uh, There's going to have to be an effort on the part of the school districts to find additional resources, too, if they can. Uh, But, you know, this is what you have when the parameters, the financial parameters have been set and they determine the policy initiatives and pieces of legislation.
0: Another discussion we're expecting to pick up any day now is the one about the funding formula. Nevada is going to revamp a 50-year-old education funding system that it has. Uh, It's obviously going to be a heavy lift. There's a lot of groups that have a lot of thoughts on where we should go with this. Where does CCEA stand on the current discussions we're having? Where are you guys at on that?
2: So, one, we can't wait till it's rolled out. We know that under the leadership of Senator Dennis, he's, he's working overtime to try to put together uh, progress on this front with a piece of legislation. No easy, cha- um, no easy uh, solution to it, particularly when the challenge of funding uh, smacks right into what you're trying to do. In other words, you know, we've had three uh, reports that have been done for the state that essentially says if you want to move off this old, archaic Nevada funding formula to one that's more germane to our student population and its needs, that is the weighted funding formula, the price tag is anywhere from a billion to three billion bucks. So nobody's pro- uh, proposing any a new revenue. Nobody can find where there's a billion dollars, let alone a half a billion dollars. So I think the challenge with the whole funding discussion is if what rolls out is um, you know progress in making changes, what's the nature of that progress? And from our perspective, is it a bridge towards transitioning into a true weighted funding formula? And a bridge by that I mean uh, what limited money you do have to work with. Does it start to move more students? that have additional resources, i.e. weights for their particular needs that goes to f- you know, further advance their education. And so we're waiting to see what that is. Um, we know there's another $200 million uh, outside of the DSA. That's uh, the, the Department of Ed has in its budget for categorical or prescriptive or grant-type funding. We think all of that should be on the table to look at. Uh, Can it be repurposed or some of it be repurposed to be more efficient, to to spread it to more kids? You know, and so uh, we're we're looking forward to seeing what he rolls out. But we also know that in the end, uh, we need additional dollars. And in part, that's why CCA has been advocating if the state can't provide it, can we find an alternative local source?
0: One of the things, like you've said, is that there's not a proposal on the table to increase the amount of funding going to schools this session. So Senator Dennis has said this is going to lead to the pie being distributed a different way as opposed to growing the pie in general, and that can mean there will be winners and losers in this process. How do you think it's possible that we can get a new funding formula this session without having it bogged down in discussions about who's going to win and who's going to lose in this formula?
2: Well, I'm no soothsayer, so I'm not sure in terms of will it get bogged down or not. I think it will be a a lively debate. And let me just go on the record. I I think that uh, part of the initiative that Senator Dennis is trying to uh, um, achieve here is that Clark County has not received its real, true costs uh, to educate kids. And so uh, if there's a shift in how the current dollars are being allocated that's based in real costs that a school district incurs, for example, Clark or Washoe, we're in support of that. Uh, We think it's high time that that kind of emphasis should be looked at when we talk about funding. Because, you know, Clark has 70 plus percent of all students in the state of Nevada under an education system that doesn't fund everybody adequately. But uh, we think disproportionately Clark suffers, uh, particularly when it has a large student population that has very specific needs and very uh, unique challenges unmatched anywhere else in the state. So if Senator Dennis comes out and says, okay, here's the pie, I'm going to shift the the size of the slices differently so that we can repurpose dollars to meet more kids' needs, we, we're, we're going to be okay with it. That doesn't take away from uh, the overall concern we have around having additional dollars come into the system. I don't think there's any debate that that isn't needed. I think there's a a lot of agreement around that.
0: Well, I think we'll leave it at that. That was Clark County Education Association Director John Vellardita, and we look forward to having you on the program again as the proposals for the new funding formula come out, and we see where the state wants to go with that.
2: Very good. Thank you, Michelle, for having me on.
0: That's all the time we have for this edition of the Indie Matters Podcast. We want to know what you think. If you have ideas, criticism, or even praise, email us at ideas at And please check out our site if you haven't already, thenevadaindependent.com. Please go search for us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and rate us and subscribe, too. I want to give special thanks to our guests, Superintendent Jesus Sara, and John Villardita. And I also want to thank our producer, Joey Lovato, for making me sound podcast smooth i'm michelle rindels thanks for listening to indie matters and we'll talk to you next week